are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's power to the pod Tuesday. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Today is September 1st, 2020, September We are 12 days away from kickoff to the 2020 season, which means what better time than right now to kick a show to you guys to talk about your most pressing questions ahead of the 2020 season. I have some thoughts that are going to come a little later in the week as far as what the Dolphins' 53-man roster projection looks like. Remember, Yes, they've expanded game day rosters to 55, but you still have to cut the 53, and then you pull two players each week from your practice squad. So don't get mad at me when I do a 53-man roster projection. And other big news. This week, later in the week, we're going to look at the Jacksonville Jaguars rebuild, the Miami Dolphins rebuild, and why investigate why we're missing that same energy in talking about Jacksonville this year, that so many people had so much to say about the Miami Dolphins last year. Looking forward to that show and revisiting some of the narratives that took place for the Dolphins and perhaps the Dolphins teaching some people some lessons along the way. But first, before we get into Power to the Pod questions, today's hot topic, Football Outsiders has released their DVOA power rankings. And DVOA, if you're not familiar, it is kind of like what ESPN does with the football power index, the FPI. So it, it takes into account all the dynamics of the rosters and runs simulations for each outcome of the game. And that's where we have to start today because I was surprised to find out how the Dolphins graded out this year. 2020 is a new year for the Miami Dolphins, but the team is continuing to see the same low expectations from simulations of the 2020 season, much like they did in 2019. Football Outsiders has released their power rankings for 2020, and the Dolphins are checking in at 30th on the list. The average simulation from Football Outsiders gives the Dolphins 6.4 average wins, which is only better than that of the Carolina Panthers and the Washington football team. That's a bit surprising when you take into account just how bad the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Dolphins division rival the New York Jets are forecasted to be this season. So what is the root of the problem? The root of the problem for the Dolphins sits predominantly with the offensive line. Uh, Football Outsiders does forecast this defense is built to perform well in 2020, which are the same expectations that us as Dolphins fans should have around the team as well. The defense should be ahead of the offense. That's what happens when you bring in established veteran players and pay premium money for free agents to come here, predominantly on the defensive side of the ball. The Dolphins' offensive line is going to continue to be a sore spot in forecasts and simulations for the Dolphins until this collective group can prove otherwise with their play on the field that they are gelled. On Locked On Dolphins, we have spoken a number of times about the dynamics of this offensive line group and how between the coaching, the style of play, 
the style of players that the Dolphins have targeted to help assemble a brand new offensive line, at the very least, no, these are not players who are going to dominate pass protection in one-on-one situations. But the scheme of this offensive line, the scheme and style of this offense is not going to put the Dolphins in a situation to have their quarterback sacked 45 times a year. Now, there are other negative side effects that can come from this style of play, especially if the receivers and the pass catchers can't create plays with the ball in their hands. That is what makes the presence of players like Jakeem Grant so critical for the Dolphins' success this season. Because if Jakeem Grant, who is very electric as a return player, can find those reps while playing wide receiver in which the Dolphins can turn plays into quasi-punt returns and get a numbers advantage on the perimeter, his speed can be electric. There's no question about that. Of course, the concern is Jakeem Grant has some sort of lingering injury that has had the Dolphins playing conservative with him and Devontae Parker over the course of the last few days. The Dolphins making sure that there are no lingering issues that carry over into the season, which is now just a week and a half away, believe it or not. But the depth and run-after-catch ability of the wide receivers must show up big time for the Dolphins this season if the team's style of play is going to mask the inexperience both together and individually at the pro level of the Dolphins' offensive line so that this team can outperform the forecast from football outsiders of being the third-worst team in football this year. Switching gears to iTunes reviews of the show, we got a number of five-star reviews. Very thankful uh, for each and every review that is left. So we're going to get all of these updated reviews that have came in since I last recorded Power to the Pod, including some that, you know, from a submission standpoint, were submitted before the last episode but did not show up in my Rolodex of comments. So if I'm late getting to your question, please forgive me. The first one, Kyle's a Penn State fan and Dolphins fan. You are my spirit animal. Great content and great show. Thank you. Question. Hypothetically, you have sole decision-making for the Dolphins. If the season ended tomorrow and you had to start preparing for 2021, what would you start doing? Free agency, draft, trades, etc. Um, I don't want to get too deep dive into that because I do think that... Um, <laughs> that's a lot of content. That's uh, I, I could literally do a month's worth of programming just centered around how I would structure my plans for moving the Dolphins forward from here. But what I would say is this, my point of emphasis would be finding additional playmakers, like big playmakers on both sides of the football would be my primary objective. So whether that's, you know, a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster somehow hits free agency or the Dolphins want to draft Jalen Waddell or Tavonta Smith in the first round of the NFL draft. Maybe we continue to hunt down a, a, a Micah Parsons as a playmaker, as a pressure player. I think there's lots of appeal uh, to go a lot of different directions. But I would say just to keep it fairly surface level and not spiral too far down the rabbit hole, uh, playmakers needs to be the name of the game for the Dolphins, adding more of them on both sides of the football. 
Uh, good daily listen from The Mission 99. Great show. Thank you. Kyle, your episode about quarterbacks got me thinking, walk with me along this very hypothetical scenario. What if the light bulb goes on for Josh Rosen and the coaches believe that he's clearly the best quarterback to lead the team this te- season? Could we justify starting Rosen over Fitz and Tua? What would that do for Tua's confidence? The optics would certainly not look good. How would you feel about this scenario playing out? I don't care who becomes the quarterback as long as somebody takes that position and wrestles it into submission and is very good in executing it. That is my primary objective. And I think that's what the Dolphins have put themselves in a position to see be done is competition, right? It's everybody's competing against themselves and one another to claim that starting job. And you're pushed into being better than what you would be not falling into the same mistake that the Miami Dolphins fell into with Ryan Tannehill for so long in which he was never pushed. What, what are the optics of if Rosen becomes that player? Well, I think it's easy for two as a rookie to say, look, we, you, know, you, you need more time to acclimate to the pro game. Rosen's been here for a couple of, or Rosen's been in the pros for a couple of years. And you could just ask him about how much different the college game is versus the pro game. I don't think two is the kind of person, look, he took a dislocated hip in stride, <laughs> right I don't necessarily think he's the kind of player that's going to get rattled by getting drafted fifth overall and having to sit behind Josh Rosen if the Dolphins made that hypothetical decision, which I don't necessarily think that they will. Those of you who have listened to Locked On Dolphins for any amount of time know all about my affection for the Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And... They have completely redone their formula for creating protein bars. They're bringing back 12 classic flavors and introducing six brand new ones as well. So I'll say this about Built Bar. Under 200 calories per bar, almost 20 grams of protein, one-seventh the grams of carbs to sugar of most typical protein bars. So whether you're looking for something post-workout, you're looking for a healthy snack, you're looking for something delicious, you're looking for something that's going to fit the keto diet, Built Bar can fill that void for you. And you can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and save $10 off your next order. So visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save $10 off your next order, and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. Next question comes from Finn for Life. I feel, I'm excited for what's coming, but feel a little trapped with the Tua situation. Feel like we may get a... Hyde of Jacqueline Hyde from Fitz this season. So should we let Tua struggle or let Rosen struggle? Imagine if Fitz's personal issues were season-ending. So Fitzpatrick, obviously his mother passed away over the weekend. He did not participate in the scrimmage. Uh, But that, you know, at the time of Finn for Life writing this comment, it wasn't even apparent that Ryan Fitzpatrick's mother's health was in question. Uh, He submitted this comment on the 24th and Fitzpatrick's mother passed away over the course of this past weekend on Saturday morning. That news became known. Uh, Fitz already back at practice, uh, which everybody grieves differently, right? And it seems like for a lot of football players, one of the, the best ways that they can cope is to stay busy. And when you're on the football field, there is plenty to preoccupy your mind. And as long as Fitzpatrick is okay and is his family is okay, and they're comfortable. 
football play, the football field around a bunch of teammates and people that care about you, it's probably one of the best places you can be. So it, I'm sure it felt good for Ryan Fitzpatrick to be back on the football field yesterday for practice. Uh, but Fin for Life, in regards to your question of if we get the Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Brian Flores is going to pick whoever he feels at that point in time when that decision has to be made. He's going to pick whoever he feels like gives him the opportunity to win the, the games the most. Now, you would assume with the Dolphins seeing what they've seen from Josh Rosen since he got here and still making the decision to draft Tua, that Tua would be more equipped to give this team and this style of play uh, the winning formula that they're looking for. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, letting Tua struggle would be detrimental. I'm more am anxious about exposing Tua to a non-enviable situation that would tear him to shreds. So if the offensive line is Swiss cheese. Next question comes from Nick. Great podcast. Thank you. You're a great listener. Is it worth trading a pick to get Juju from the Steelers? He's only 23. Mm, yeah, I think so. I'm not trying to give him a first-round pick, but that's what Pittsburgh's going to want. If I could get Juju for a two, I'd probably do it. Expiring contract. The Steelers, they, you know, they drafted Deontay Johnson. They drafted Chase Claypool in the second round of this year's draft. Steelers are up against the cap, big time up against the cap. They're going to have to decide, you know, do we want to give T.J. Watt an extension? Do we want to re-sign Bud Dupree? Do we want to bring back Cameron Hayward? Do we want to, how can we re-sign Juju? We got to fit all these guys under the cap. We don't have a lot of room to work with. James Conner's a free agent. He's almost guaranteed to be gone. Pittsburgh's got some tough decisions to make. And if Pittsburgh wanted to maximize their investment for a player that they ultimately feel like we got enough other depth at wide receiver. Let's move on. Miami should be in the running. I don't know if my willingness to give a two is going to be enough to get it done for Pittsburgh and some other team might give a one, but if somebody else wants to give you one, that's fine. I'll give you, uh, you can have, them. but I would be offering a two probably the, the, it would be a conditional lower of the two second round picks is what I would offer for Juju. Dan's the man 13, never trade for a kicker, all exclamation points. Dan, this was not a locked-on Dolphins discussion. You can't yell at me at the, for, for this all here. We did, I do for the Draft Network, uh, Draft Dudes with Joe Marino. Every Thursday night, we do a live stream, 8 o'clock. It's on YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, uh, the Draft Network. And we did a Would You Rather, and I said, throughout the course of that discussion that I would like, I would have Justin Tucker and I would trade a feasible, I would probably trade a third round pick for Justin Tucker as a kicker. Justin Tucker is unbelievable. And Dan's the man. His comment is kickers are replaceable and the production of a good one. Isn't that much different from an average one. Tucker's extra accuracy is probably only worth one to two extra field goals per year. And he went undrafted. You never give up assets, especially third rounder for a kicker, because you can find a kicker as good as Tucker without drafting one. That's the whole point. Justin Tucker is not your average kicker. He's amazing. Tucker has been named first team all pro three of the last four seasons. Over that 
four-year stretch. He is hitting 85% of his field goals from beyond 50 yards. 85% beyond 50. <laughs> He's rigged. That's not the point, though. Can't yell at me on Locked On Dolphins, man, for a draft dude's take. Question, if Chan Gailey is a two-year max stopgap offensive coordinator, should we be keeping our eyes on young offensive assistants on staff, or would Flores look for a more established offensive mind, and who might some names be to watch? Yeah, that's a, it's a difficult question. Um, I know Chan really likes Robbie Brown, the quarterback's coach. Uh, they work together in New York. Robbie Brown is young, potentially a... Uh, Offensive coordinator in grooming there. I do think the Dolphins offensive coaching staff does have a number of attractive coaches uh, that I think have bright futures ahead of them as coaches. I look at the running backs coach, Eric Studsville. Uh, Studsville is entering his third season with the Dolphins. And um, really appreciate any time you get a chance to listen to him talk about how he coaches players. Obviously, the production last year for the Dolphins' backs was not good, but the offensive line was brutal. <laughs> Let's be honest. I think there's plenty of room for improvement in the environment around the running backs. Eric Studsville is a good coach, for my money. I do think uh, those are probably your top two options. Robbie Brown and Eric Studsville. Would they stay in-house? Would they go outside of, the, of their circle? I'm sure if they had somebody they feel comfortable with, they'd probably like to promote from within and kind of cultivate that culture and consistency. I think that's probably the preferred outlet. You look at what they did defensively with Josh Boyer getting their promotion from defensive backs to defensive coordinator. That would be my expectation. But... We have to see what this product looks like for two years, you know, if hypothetically Shane Gailey is a two-year bridge. Bringing this thing home, we got Twitter questions to finish. Sean wants to know if the Dolphins would have been better off using one of those picks for Fournette instead of one of those fifth-round picks for Fournette instead of using their fifth-round picks on Matt Breida and Curtis Weaver. P.S. I'd rather have one year of Fournette than zero years of Curtis Weaver. Yeah, I mean... I don't want to apply too much hindsight here, but I do think, as I said on yesterday's show, getting Fournette feels a little redundant when you have Jordan Howard, who is a similar player from a strengths and weaknesses perspective. Um, so if you wanted the one-year rental of Fournette and not sign, I think it's more of a question of would you rather them have signed Jordan Howard to a two-year deal or traded a five that they would have otherwise wasted, quote-unquote wasted on Curtis Weaver, even though it was it's a lottery ticket at that point anyway, for Curtis Weaver. And, um, you know, I, th I think the thing that we need to remember is Fournette got bounced out of Jacksonville in part because the coaching staff, there was friction there. And I don't think players that bring friction are going to be welcomed additions to the Dolphins. Uh, Rob, if some college players get to play this season while other conferences sit out, will players with more recent game film have an advantage if they play well? Absolutely. 
it's um there's a recency bias that is almost inevitable but the players that it will help the most are the players who have the most recent sample size and play really well for that sample size. Joe Burrow's a great example. Joe Burrow was a starting quarterback at LSU for two years, but entering 2019, he was generally regarded as a early day three prospect. The same thing could have been said for Baker Mayfield. Kyler Murray was like not even possibly an NFL quarterback. He was a baseball player who would just happen to be a former five-star recruit playing football. This happens every year. Players, their final season, explode onto the scene. And with the SEC playing, you're going to get a good portion, or at least the SEC scheduled to play, you're going to get a very large portion of the college football landscape from an NFL draft perspective. Guys are going to come out of nowhere, and those guys are going to definitely get coveted over players who haven't played in 18 months, 20 months. For sure. Fred, peanut butter or Nutella? I think I'll stick with peanut butter. I got on the Nutella train late, to be completely honest with you. I didn't like it at first, uh, but then I came around on it. But if I had a choice and it wasn't like there were no health or, or diet repercussions, I'd pick peanut butter. Cliffy Mack, heard very little about the tight ends during training camp. Does that concern you at all? No. This offense... Tight ends outside of Mike Gusecki, who's going to win from the slot. And I've heard plenty about Mike uh, throughout practice reports. And he's met with the media twice over the past two weeks. So Mike's going to get volume in the passing game. And the other guys are not. They're just not. They're going to be like red zone targets and blockers. And that's kind of how this offense is, is structured to operate in the first place. So I'm not concerned with it. It's not like they're going to run a bunch of 12 personnel and go play action pass a whole, like that's just not their style of offense. Like you look at what the Cleveland Browns are doing with David and Joku and Austin Hooper, very different kinds of offenses. Jack Cummins, if the Dolphins cut Riley Reef, should we try to acquire him? No, Riley is expensive and he's getting older. That is a bad combo for where the Dolphins are, especially because you acquire Riley Reef, you're not only bringing on a declining player that's going to cost you a lot of money, you're costing the young players that you're hoping to get better and improve and become ascending players, you're costing them reps. Matthew, how long should we wait before we start judging this season's product? I would recommend we probably wait through the first month of the season before we have any drastic opinions one way or the other. I'm sure we'll get into the season and we'll ride the freaking roller coaster because we always do, right? But remember, the Dolphins were comfortably the worst team in football, and some people said the worst football team of all time after two games last year. Two games. Let's not, let's make the vow now. If the Dolphins come out the gate 0-2 against the Bills and the Patriots, we don't do that. We don't overreact. Let's see. We got a couple more here. Marcos, would you be willing to make a 53-man roster projection? Hell yeah, check back later this week. That's a full show. 
Robert, what would you consider to be the most shocking, surprising, but realistic cut that the team could make? Hmm. It's tough because I, I don't think there's a lot of candidates here. Can I say Chandler Cox? Fullback? Only fullback on the road? I don't know that they're going to use a fullback, to be honest with you. Um, maybe, like, I, I also doubt it, but like Sam McGuavin, maybe? Maybe? You look at the fringe guys, I think there's a pretty clear divide. You know, I've already low-key, don't tell anybody but I'll share this with you guys. I've already done the 53-man roster projection. And it wasn't very hard to kind of draw the line. I pulled every obvious name, and I had 52 players. So, um, I mean, if Vince Beagle doesn't get hurt, you got Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns on this roster, then yeah, you're going to have a couple surprise cuts. I didn't think it was particularly hard to find 53. We'll do two more. One from Tom. With the running back market being so stacked in 2021, how do you think this will impact the draft class with reduced or possibly zero college season? Yeah, the running backs free agent market this year is loaded, absolutely loaded to the brim with good talent. And you've already seen some of these teams like Green Bay. They drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. They ain't paying Aaron Jones. They just drafted A.J. Dillon in the second round. Minnesota Vikings just traded for Yannick Ngakwe. They're not re-signing Dalvin Cook. They got a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who they're going to be paying like $42 million to next year. Like, these dudes are going to hit the market. Now, Derrick Henry got 12 and a half per year. I know players are going to want more than that, but the cap's going to be going down. So Miami, like, if I'm Miami and you tell me yeah, you can draft a running back in the second round, or you could potentially sign somebody to a three-year, $30 million deal with all the guaranteed money in the first two years. I'm probably, in this market, knowing what some of these guys are, I'm probably electing to use my pick on a more high-priced position that I'm going to benefit from having play at a more premium position at a lower salary rate for a longer period of time. No, and I'm probably going to cut that back after year two unless he's continuing to just blow it out of the water. It was, that was the whole Melvin Gordon debate last year, right? And, like, I'm not crazy about Melvin Gordon as a player. Durability's constantly an issue. And, like, that's why that was the appeal to potentially signing Melvin Gordon. Well, the, the Dolphins went with a, a cheaper player in Jordan Howard, but a player that's going to fit their scheme even better anyway. So, like, It will definitely have a domino effect. The running back class is going to get messy, big-time messy this year. Cintrons. If Miami runs RPO concepts this season with two is comfort, do you prefer a yak or sure catch receiver as the pass lead, assuming mostly slant? So example would be yak threat is Jakeem and sure catch receiver, possession receiver is Isaiah Ford. I want Preston Williams in the slot, to be completely honest with you. I think Preston has a little bit of yak to him because he's so tough after the catch. But he's a big body. He played a full season at Colorado State the previous year before he came to Miami. Let's keep him out of punt return situations. I want Preston's big frame in the slot. 
So I would covet the possession catch. And then just knowing that as this team and roster continues to get better, we're going to have to get more dynamic and more depth at wide receiver. Good questions today, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked On Dolphins. I know I did. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the narratives of the Dolphins tank versus the 2020 teams. And on Thursday, we're going to get into a 53-man roster projection. So make sure you hit subscribe on the pod. Come back and see us again. Lots to look forward to. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. And I hope to talk to you guys again tomorrow.